Idaho Technology Council presents Innovation Matters, a look at innovators, rule breakers, and thought leaders from across Idaho. From our studios in beautiful downtown Boise, here is your host, the CEO and founder of the Idaho Technology Council, Jay Larson. This is Jay Larson with Innovation Matters with the Idaho Technology Council. Today is March 17th, 2023 at St. Patty's Day, and we have the opportunity to have Seth Ruger Ruder with us. Seth, thank you so much for joining us. Seth is uh, with the College of Idaho where he is uh, on the faculty with the, with, uh, the business department and he is what I would call the, our resident banking expert in Idaho. Seth, welcome. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, Seth, you, uh, um, we've kind of been through a little bit of, in the last week. We've probably been through a very strange time compared, uh, you know, from the financial collapse, which took took place in about 20, 2008, right, yep. to today. There hasn't been anything like this, right? Yeah, nothing like this. And um, um, so let's we'll get in and, and really what we're going to talk about. But first, I want to make sure we let you know. I know uh, uh, you have a red beard for those people who aren't on here, but you aren't Irish. But no. but it's great to have you here on St. Patty's Day. That's what I wanted to make sure I got out of the way first. So, um, Seth, talk a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, yeah, so I started, so in the 0708 crisis, I was actually working for the Federal Reserve in Chicago, and I was on a, a team where we would actually figure out when a bank would fail because of either liquidity, right, they can't meet their cash letter, or they ran out of capital and they were insolvent kind of financially, right? That means assets, uh, liabilities are bigger than assets, and there's, you know, there's no equity left. Um, so, yeah, I spent a bunch of time just figuring out when, when banks would die. Um, yeah, I hate to, to frame it this way, but um, essentially figure out when they die, and then um, you know, they get auctioned off to the FDIC, who'd post them on eBay, and they'd get sold. Yeah. Um, and then I got deeply involved in all the, the Federal Reserve reforms, so the stress test from a capital perspective, the stress test from a liquidity perspective. Um, that's kind of how I made my career, and then just rebuilding the system, right, where we made banks hold a lot more capital and liquidity. So essentially, if we if we equate it to uh, like uh, human health, when cert, when it, when someone would go through a stress test on their heart. Sure. You sit there, try to identify when they have real problems and if they're healthy or not, and if they have to have something done to them. And you were the person that came in, analyzed the banks with the Federal Reserve, and had to say, you know what, you this is what uh, these guys are in real trouble. Or, yeah, that's right. It's a, it a big team, but yeah, they were yeah. kind of a big collective team. Yeah, we would. That did that. That's the problem. We would try to solve and figure yeah. out. Well, I think College of Idaho is great. To, lucky to have you over there with. Uh, uh, teaching finance and other type of things over there, right? So, yeah, I think they were desperate, but yeah, <laughs> desperately. I'll take their, uh, you know, oh, their charity. <laughs> yeah, I love that. All right. So now let's jump into this, Seth. So we got last week we had Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, why don't we first talk a little bit about what's why Silicon Valley Bank mm-hmm. is different, what their business model is, and why they are they different from most other banks. Yeah, so if you go back kind of in time, Silicon Valley Bank, yeah, they're, they're, they're very different from other banks. Um, so they have a, a lot of the lending is a program called a capital subscription loan. And what it is, is it's a loan, it's a credit facility to a startup um, to kind of bridge the gap between their next capital raise um, 
right? So say a, say a startup is, you know, they've got a milestone to meet. They aren't quite there to get the next capital raise. Silicon Valley Bank would bridge that gap to get them to that milestone, you know, with funding so they could then get that next capital raise. And so all, all, all the loans, the source repayment was from future capital raise from investors. Silicon Valley Bank you know, knew the investor community, knew who was, you know, was good and would provide the next round of capital. Um, they had good, good loss histories, um, but that was, you know, that's very unique about their bank. And they ended up, they ended up kind of small. Um, and, you know, if you go kind of two years ago, that, that credits, the, 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 the business was super big. Um, they're over, you know, 200 billion. Um, so that's, that's kind of Silicon Valley's um, business model. What's unique, if you go kind of back two years ago, um, where there, you know, there was a lot of funds flowing into funds and into startups. Um, when, when, a, when, a, when a startup would actually get their capital raised, they would hold it in the bank at Silicon Valley Bank. Um, a lot of credit facilities, you know, they were encouraged to do that, but there were some credit arrangements where they were kind of required to do that with their next capital raise. So this is a world where rates are really low. Funding is flowing into the startup community. All the money is piling into Silicon Valley Bank on deposit. It's uninsured. Um, and so Silicon Valley Bank has to figure out where do I put the money because they don't have enough lending now to deal with all the money that's sitting there on deposit. Um, and so banks have to kind of make this trade-off between do I take credit risk, do I take interest rate risk, how do I take risk to make a margin? Um, they were, you know, they were basically choosing between do I go two years with a two-year treasury or do I go out on the yield curve and buy you know, 10-year treasury bonds and a bunch of more expected securities. Now, on this on this part, Seth, how big is it when, when they're making these decisions? Because now you're at interest rates that have now changed significantly over this last sure. two-year period. So does that play a lot into this, uh, into what's happening here? Yeah, so they chose to take interest rate risk two years ago. So okay. instead of lending or you know, putting money in bonds at two years, 50 basis points, they went out on the curve and they invested at two and a half percent, one and a half percent. But their way, their but these bonds have a lot of duration, and duration is how sensitive bond, the price of a bond is to right. raising rates. And so that was the risk they took to try and make the spread. You know, this is kind of two years ago where you know we didn't have inf- well, we knew inflation was a problem. The Fed hadn't turned up, you know, raised rates not yet, not as significantly. Yeah. Um, but the vulnerability was created two years ago as you know, there's all this money washed around. You know, they got all these deposits from the from the startup community, and they're, they've got to go put the money somewhere to make to get to get to work and actually make a spread. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the the start of this this vulnerability. And that's that's because it's funny when you start talking about spread when you're talking about two percent two two point five. I mean, you know, I know this is a mm-hmm. lot of money when you have two hundred billion dollars. Uh, uh, a bank and and what happened last Thursday wasn't it uh, where there's about a sixty billion dollar run on the on the bank, and they couldn't be by its by depositors and mm-hmm. other ones, and they couldn't they obviously didn't have sixty billion dollars hanging there to be able to service that right so yeah so their big vulnerability so if you fast forward to as of December thirty first twenty twenty two. Um, the unrivaled, so and, and all these bonds were sitting in this uh, portfolio. It's designated as held to maturity. They're sitting on about ninety-one billion of, of held to maturity bonds. Those are what's sitting on the balance sheet. The actual fair value of the bonds was seventy-six one sixty-eight. If you compare that to the capital, the capital of the, of the firm has is about fifteen billion four fifty-six. Wow! So we have a, a bank that is essentially insolvent. Um, 
Yeah, because I mean, um, so so Thursday, mar- the market figured that out. They they also had a rating agency downgrade. So Moody's was kind of behind the the, the curve in terms of they had them rated too high. They were looking at all the unrealized loss, you know, across the industry. Silicon Valley was, you know, the top of the list. Right. They had to get the ratings down to kind of catch up with where Silicon Valley was. They were going to downgrade them. They essentially had kind of a gun to Silicon Valley's head. And they were t- so Silicon Valley had some strategies they were trying to do, basically, upon, because Moody's came in and said, "Look." You guys are going to be a downgraded. Now Silicon Valley needed to respond to that. What did they do? So, yeah, so, and, and, and so here's the other, maybe just the other thing really quickly. Okay. Their investor profile, they have a lot of uninsured investors or un, un, uninsured depositors, right? And this, this money's probably pretty, pretty credit sensitive to Silicon Valley's bank. So their rating is super important for their business model. Okay, I got you. Um, and so, yeah, as Moody's has kind of their, their gun to their head, you know, Silicon Valley has to do something to respond to either one, make the downgrade not as much or to maybe stop it. Um, and so the strategy was, let's let's sell the bonds. Um, they had Goldman kind of helping them with, 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 with uh, as an advisor. Let's sell the bonds in the available for sell portfolio, um, which they did. They took an unrealized loss. That was to show they had strength and liquidity. Um, the other issue is they held maturity portfolio. If they actually sold $1 of those bonds, the accounting would require them to, they would be tainted and they would have to actually show those all the unrealized loss in those oh, as well. Wow. So that was the other kind of tucking time bomb that they didn't want to deal with as well, is if they had to sell those, you know, $1 of held, held to maturity, the whole portfolio gets tainted, and they have to basically announce to the world. Um, that we're, you know, they, the, the street can see it really clearly now, right? You have to kind of dig in the financials to see the HTM realized loss, unrealized loss, but it would be very clear and transparent to the street. Um, so their goal was to sell the bonds, the FS, show they had liquidity, and then do a capital raise, to try and raise capital to shore up the liquidity and to get some confidence on the rating for Moody's to either uh, make the downgrade not as much or to maybe even stem it off. Um, what happened though is <clears throat> Silvergate, which is another bank that had failed or went, went and wound down two or three days ago, and so the whole industry was spooked with financials and there was just questions about solvency and. Um, it just yeah, there was just a whole lot of the back. The economic backdrop was not favorable. So as you had this, so now you have this. Boner, you saw vulnerability in the market, and so, so what what happened is some of the key players then at Silicon Valley Bank started getting spooked about it and started pulling money out of it. Is that- yeah. So Thursday, when this announcement happens, the entire um, venture, you know, startup community yeah. starts talking. Um, from what I've read in the news, it looks like the, the companies that banked with Silicon Valley Bank wanted to stay, or a lot of them did. It was the sponsors who are, you know, they have real investor money in these companies, and they have kind of this fiduciary duty. We're not willing to risk investor money. And so they all told their companies that they sponsored, you know, that they were yeah. funding, you've got to pull your money out. That's, that's interesting, because that's that business model you were talking about, because the reason Silicon Valley Bank was so strong, I mean, you know, you know, because we always wanted to have Silicon Valley Bank open an operation here. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, because that because what they had is is they they really were they really helped companies start and grow, right? Yeah, that was yeah, their model. Sure, yeah. And early stage companies, and so they had loyalty probably. Oh yeah, they're very, yeah, very loyal. 
But the sponsors are what you're talking the about. The sponsors are the ones who had that fiduciary Could, duty. Yeah, um, and, uh, do we have, can we go into that part at all about the sponsors, or is that uh, yeah? Even? So I mean, so yeah. If you just think about you know your private equity fund, you're yeah. you're funding a, a company. It's your equity yes. that you're managing for investors. If the if that was you know five million dollars of deposit sitting there from the last equity raise that you gave the, the investors money as is at risk, you kind of have a fiduciary duty. And they manage that risk and be able to sit there. So you start saying, I'm going to pull the, the sponsor said, we're pulling the money out. Yep. And if you just know the numbers, I mean, this is also what makes Silicon Valley u- unique. They have $151 billion in uninsured deposits. It's 90% plus, um, which made that vulnerability extremely oh, wow. huge. Which, that, yeah, they're a super outlier across the banks. Yeah, so that's uh, so they were they were. Uh, I don't want to say this because it used to say you say things like a perfect storm sometimes that kind of arises, but there were so many things There's a lot that were playing. Yeah. The, the 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 gales of the winds were coming against them. It just they they didn't have a chance now, right? Because they weren't positioned and they couldn't hold off the market. Yeah, they didn't have a chance. Thursday, when their you know their equity price went down in the hundreds, they were two thirty. If you go back in time, not too far ago, um, there was no chance of confidence. A lot was lost. And yeah. By Thursday, you know it's going across, um, you know Twitter, all these other discussion boards. The the, the community, the, the the fundraising community is very close, and they all talk, and so yeah. they all so ran to the door. Probably yeah, all in the door. Sixty billion dollar, uh, you know, were, were demanded. I think at that point. There's just no way they could sell. There was it. no way they couldn't sell bonds fast enough. Yeah. I mean, they could. Yeah, they were. They, their Fed account went negative. I think by probably nine or ten o'clock that morning, and they had to be shot. Yeah. Um, so now, what? So what happens now is the Federal Reserve. I mean, or uh, the FDIC. Uh, FDIC. Yes. FDIC comes in. And that stands for the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and they're the ones that insure, yeah, insure all the deposits. Um, and they're paid by the, the banking community. Like those assessments, the banks pay, and so it's paid by the banking community. Yeah, and that's what people were saying, that all of these these funds that were used to so that, uh, like a lot of the com- companies that were banking at Silicon Valley Bank couldn't make a payroll if they didn't have access to those funds. And so those funds mm-hmm. that came in from the banking community are the ones that help uh, a lot of these companies I mean, uh, money be be distributed to be able to make that. So there were even some companies here in our valley that this impacted. Yeah, they could, yeah, meet, yeah. Um, and so if you think, if you just think about kind of over the weekend, so they fail Friday. Yes. Um, and then this is the, what what happens is now they go into receivership. So the FDIC puts them in FDIC bankruptcy, um, and they're now got to find a buyer. Now, typically, if you go back in 07, 08, yeah, we know the banks were going to fail six months ago, and so. They were building a package. So just think about if you're going to sell something, you're going to put a financial package together. Here's the loans. You have months to put it together. They go post it out on you know Bank eBay, where all they can go and bid on them and look yeah. at them. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a normal process. They now have to do this, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to put just to put a package together, which I'm sure was a nightmare. Um, people working around the clock. Um, the bigger issue is they just didn't, they weren't able to actually get it bought, uh, get it sold. Because who would buy it? No one knows what, how much loss is in yeah. it. They're just, there's just a lot of concerns about it. Um, and so, for, so what, what's interesting is Sunday, the, the optimal outcome, at least from a, from a government perspective, was they got it bought. Another bank would have assumed the deposits and they would have then, it would have, it would have opened as a different bank on Monday. They would have made payroll. It would have been 
It, but no, nothing would have That would have been the optimal. That would have been the, yeah, that would have been the optimal outcome. But they couldn't get anything together because who would have, it just didn't. It, nothing happened. Everybody, yeah. everybody stayed away from it, right? Everybody stayed, yeah, I don't know what, you know, how the transaction, you know, yeah, how sure. that went down. But, um, and so Monday, on the open on Monday, I mean, you're basically racing until Asia opens. Because when Asia opens, and if the equity, if the equity markets in Asia trade down, it's going to spill over to the U.S. equity markets. So they had to have something announced Sunday before Asia opened because that would just spill right into the U.S. Open. And that announcement was on Sunday that there was, yeah, uh, basically so we're shutting, the, we're winding the, the company down. Well, I mean, as Silicon Valley Bank is gone. So Silicon Valley, they put it in a bridge bank. So that was, I can't remember what the bridge bank's name is. Um, is, it, is it Silicon Valley Bank Bridge or something, something like, like that? that? Yeah, I don't know. I have to pull that. Um, and so, so it's a bank ran by the FDIC. Um, the other thing they did is they guaranteed all the deposits. So the big risk of Monday... No one knows if their payroll is going to be met, right? That would have spooked everybody. Right. They had to get, they, so they have this authority that they can actually use. It's called the systemic risk exemption. The Treasury has to sign off. I think the Fed, I think the president actually has to be okay as well. They use that part of their authority and they guaranteed all the deposits to Silicon Valley Bank before Asia. The other thing they did is the Fed opened the discount window. Um, and what's kind of interesting about that is um, the Fed. They can't take a loss. They were kind of required, kind of from a, from a legal perspective, they could only lend to good collateral. Um, the terms of that of that facility are very different. They're lending against the par value of bonds, which allows them to lend not against the market value, but what what the par is. It's going to be a lot closer to cost. Yeah, right. That's a very different thing, and they're lending at hundred percent of the collateral value, and they're going to do it for a year. Um, so that was the other thing to try and stem. There's a lot of, you know, like, is there other companies out there, you know, for, for companies that have unrealized losses in their bonds, this is the Fed trying to take that risk off the table and tell not only um, and give banks the liquidity to lend against the par value. Wow. Um, so how about, much is the is, is being lent right now to banks from so overall? Yeah, so right now, I can't remember the Bloomberg article, we're at 150-some-plus billion. It's outstanding right now as of kind of last couple nights ago. A couple nights ago, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's – so now we've got Silicon Valley Bank. they got the Bridge Bank, or you know, and the FDIC is now running all this. What else do you see that's going to be happening in the next – what would you anticipate to happen in the next couple of weeks with this whole thing? Anything else boiling through? Yeah, it's going to depend on what other banks fail and how the government responds. I mean, the government's going to be stuck with a, um, yeah, rate cuts probably on the table if this thing keeps getting worse. Um, you mean a rate cut? You mean from interest the Fed? Rate? Yeah, because yeah. what, what's what's interesting, what's happening right now is just be, because um, there's a, essentially a banking a banking crisis. Um, companies are slowing down; they're being cautious. And I'm sure banks are probably making the, you know, they're thinking about which credits are good and bad. And it's go, it's it's going to be somewhat restrictive. So this is actually acting like a 50 basis point rise in rates without doing anything just because of how this is transmitting into the bank. Serious. Uh, that's, that's okay. So that's that's how much impact this will this have. Is have a, this could have a really big impact in terms of credits availability. Um, yeah, right now as we speak. Um, so it actually acts like. A rate, a rate increase, um, even though you don't have to do it, because the banking system is what transmits monetary policy. So to it's, the real economy. it's 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 kind of like as you look at a funnel, it's kind of like constricting money, uh, yeah. constricting this whole thing down. Yeah, um, that's a great way to think about it. Yeah, it's like a funnel, and there's there's now there's it's getting constricted to some degree. It's unsure, but that is restricting, which does transmit into the real economy and, and creates and 
What's, what's really important here is that um, um, I, I don't. I, we'll, we'll keep the focus on Silicon Valley Bank and how it's how we're going. But it's what's really important is how we see a lot of the other banks that are taking place collectively come around to help support all this and and uh, unify everything with uh, the Federal Reserve and so forth. I mean, you were just talking about because what we've what we've seen is that we've seen inflation has started. Uh, we've had a spike in inflation, right? Mm-hmm. Because we had interest rates go up. Now we're saying, how do we manage all of these things with all of this shortage now that's going to be created in the marketplace because of the restriction in capital that's going to be able to be offered. Uh, what was interesting, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off. Silicon Valley Bank was so, they would make loans and uh, that other banks wouldn't make, right? So I, you know, I can't answer that exactly, but what I, here's something that would just maybe be telling is I know um, the stories you're hearing is that um, they've went to other banks to, to provide the credit because essentially Silicon Bank is now ran by the FDIC. It's ran by the government. Yes. Who's deciding who gets credit. Um, and so they're going to find to other banks to see if they can get their credit line or some similar kind of credit. And what I'm hearing is they're not able to find it at the same terms. And because of that, they're all now going back to Silicon Valley Bank. And there's this huge effort where they think, someone please buy them so we can keep doing what, are doing, what we're doing oh, wow. in the startup community. Um, yeah, because that's what that's been. They, they've been amazing in the startup community, you know, obviously because of the, the strength of Silicon Valley um, and their, their outreach. So, um, all right. So now we've got Silicon Valley Bank. Um, how... How this this is now impacting businesses in Idaho all throughout Silicon, I mean, Silicon Valley Bank is like you're saying a sure it was a huge bank it's very big um, yeah and it's funny this cuts across politics and in all kinds of states I mean obviously Silicon Valley Bank in Silicon Valley there was tons of stories where they weren't going to be able to make payroll yeah um, another area that's you know Utah Silicon Slopes. They are, that that startup community is heavily banked with Silicon Valley Bank, and they were going to impact it dramatically. Also, if the deposits yeah. were insured, and they wouldn't be able to make <laughs> payroll in a lot of these companies. And these are real people doing jobs, right? right? I mean, this is real people. This is affecting real people. This is just isn't a Silicon Valley, you know, issue or a Wall Street issue. We we were talking um, about. <laughs> 14 years ago with Silicon Valley Bank, hoping that they would open a branch in, in uh, Boise, meaning that they would really help um, you know, early stage, mid-stage companies grow. Because sure. they, really, they, they find a way to be really help, be an asset and a partner with those companies where traditional banks would come in and say, you know what, we can't lend it that against that, it's too risky. You know, so uh, what they did is they went down to, uh, at that time, they had just opened up a branch down to Salt Lake. Gotcha. And Salt Lake had been through this whole thing where they had a fund of funds and they had really helped grow a lot. Of, they had to provide a lot of access to capital to be able to grow a lot of these early stage companies. And so you saw these early stage companies percolate up. And so Silicon Valley saw this as a tremendous opportunity. So that's why they came sure. and opened it. I mean, it was in the Western United States, it was probably one of the bigger places yeah, yeah. for capital to be able to grow. Um, and you'd see it bigger than LA, bigger than a lot of other places. So, as you look at that, how does this, how's this going to um, kind of impact uh, the, the the early stage startup community 
uh, in the United States right now. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so the degree that, so, you know, so, you know, they're helping tons of startups. So kind of like we, we discussed, um, you know, startups have milestones that they have to meet. And Silicon Valley Bank was kind of a bridge to get to that milestone if they needed, if they needed money to get there. Um, that source now is gone. Right. So startups ability to get to their milestones now with a bridge with with, you know, credit with a credit facility. Um, that's a big question. They're going to be able to do that. Um, and so it will affect credit to startups growth. I mean, it's going to ripple through to some degree uh, because it did provide a pretty good bridge for a lot of startups um, to get to that next milestone. Um, you know, conversely, though, I mean, it might be a good thing because it's going to make more discipline on startups, right? You've got to meet your milestones. You know, you got to have easy money to do that. Um, I mean, it's going to impose more discipline as well, which 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 can't be a horrible thing as well. Yeah, as well. That's a good point because uh, uh, there's a, a lot of vetting processes that go out whenever a company's looking for funding or is out there, and those people validate whether those companies have it or whether weaknesses are. And um, but. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. The Silicon Valley Bank certainly did fit. They're they're different from all the other they're banks. Very different. Yeah. Very different, and uh, they did uh, fit a different. Uh, uh, it's almost like a, a tsunami that kind of comes in, and they they help provide all this access to capital. And now they're going to be you know the the waves yeah, kind of pull back. back, and we get to see what's on the beach, so to speak. And uh, you sure. know, uh, hopefully we see a lot of good things. You know, um, just really quickly on this one. Let's just shift gears for one uh, at the end of this. What are, what are your thoughts about the uh, the, the you know the um, innovative ecosystem in Idaho here? You guys, I'm saying this because you you've helped with uh, the Idaho Deal Flow Report. You've had students come in and help with that. You uh, working with um, um, you know um, Blake Hansen and Alturas and mm -hmm. uh, with the Idaho Technology Council. What are your thoughts of the, uh, the business community here, especially uh, early stage as it goes to mid-stage? Yeah, I think it's a great community. I mean, it's been fascinating to get involved with it. Um, excited to, yes, to keep pay, playing a role to be helpful. Um, so, yeah, I think it's – and I'm, I'm super optimistic. Even though we've got a little kind of bump in the road, I'm super right. optimistic about Idaho, Boise, where we go. Um, I mean, here's just kind of, you know, just an interesting thing. Um, mortgages, we're, we're very real estate driven, which drives the whole community. A mortgage rate today is about 50 basis points cheaper than it was last Thursday. Um, wow. So that's interesting, right? So if you think about like, and if the Fed pivots and they don't have to raise rates and real estate's such an important driver, um, there could be, that could be kind of a little bit of a... Uh, Kind of a boost. Uh, a boost. It could yeah. be a boost, you know, and then we get, you know, mortgages, you know, keeps picking up. Um, yeah, that's kind of a, kind of a, it could be a nice So there's boost. some, some opportunities, but I do think, uh, what I liked is you said that it's a, the, the um, um, business community here and early stage, mid stage um, has, has really improved and changed dramatically over the last 15 years. Oh, sure. And we're seeing it. And and this short-term thing that you're talking about, this window that's going on, depending upon how all the things take place, I mean, it could cause us to be able to have more scrutiny on 
the loaning, the lo loans, lending. and and you know the financial viability of a company and how that's how you're going to invest in it. But at the same time, that scrutiny uh, can create some good things. I think the other part is I don't. We're not as concentrated to Silicon Valley Bank in our startups. I don't think. Good point. No, we are. We're not even remotely close, and right. so. It's going to ripple through other communities for us. Like a salt, like a Utah. Yeah, Utah, yeah. Silicon Valley, Boston. Um, for us, it's not really going to yeah. you know, be, a, be, a, be, a, be an impact. Seth, what we should do is we should, uh, we should have you back on um, maybe in a couple months. Let's take a look at this thing. Let's, okay. let's, uh, let's, let's, let's let the river flow, so to speak. Sure, sure. And let's see how some of the act what actions take place, and then maybe we'll, we'll have another uh, uh, opportunity to maybe dissect this a little bit more. Use your uh, your banking expertise to be able to help us uh, understand the impact of the Silicon Valley Bank, uh, the ripple effect, so to speak. So would that be good? That sounds great, Jay. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, we've been very uh, uh, very much a pleasure on the St. Patty's Day uh, to have. Uh, uh, Seth, Ru I'm always Seth. Seth Ruder. Yeah, I think Roto Ruder. Roto Ruder. I, I know. I got it. Seth Ruder here, <laughs> and really one of the most, the biggest uh, experts on the banking community in Idaho to have join us on Innovation Matters. Again, this is really important for us to be able to follow this. So we'll keep uh, keep you up to date on this. And um, thank you for being part of Innovation Matters because in Idaho, innovation does matter. Thanks so much. Exchange. Innovation Matters is a production of the Idaho Technology Council. For membership information and to get involved, visit our website at idahotechcouncil.org. Thanks for listening and helping us transform Idaho's future together. Together.